Well, welcome back to The Journey. Uh, my name is Kevin Polke, and I am the host of The Journey. And as many of you know, The Journey is uh, a show that talks about um, stories of transformation, stories of individuals that may have had setbacks or obstacles in their life. And not only do they have that obstacle, but what most importantly, what did they learn from that? And now what are they doing in their lives uh, since then? And so today we have a very special guest. Um, Heather, Heather Baker is joining us um, uh, on the show today, and she's got a, a pretty amazing story in, in its own right. And so, but before we jump into that, uh, Heather, th you know, thank you for being on the show today. Um, I know we got to meet a few weeks ago when you were at one of my presentations. And um, so, so thank you for taking some time to, to be on the journey. And, um, and I wanted to maybe start off with our first, first question that I always ask everyone is um, when Heather's having fun outside of work and all the responsibilities you have, what, what, what does Heather do to have fun? Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Um, I like to read, and I know not everybody listening love, thinks like that's a bunch of fun, but I love to read primarily anything in the self-help motivational leadership style of books. And then also I'm a big James Patterson book fan. I love, I'm a musician by trade. I went to music school. So I um, still play my French horn actively. And I love to go to concerts, anything musical, going to Broadway musicals, shows. So I'm so glad that things are starting to open back up because I love to go to shows. I love to go to movies. And then just spending time with my family and friends or hanging out at home with my dog. Um, I do really, really prioritize my rest time. So during the week, I'm super busy and here, there and everywhere. So I do really, I like to just chill on the weekends and just kind of unwind wind it's really important for me to just rest so that's what I like to do okay perfect so uh my my daughter and my wife have uh my daughter's been in musicals since she was eight years old oh. and so um and she's 23 now so there I I think the last count we're at 45 plus musicals that she's been in and so oh, no. so if there was a musical that stands out to you, so I won't even ask that, that question of which one's your favorite, but if there's one mm -hmm. that kind of comes to mind that really it seems to resonate with you where certain characters just kind of, you, you've, you've kind of clung to their story. What, what's a musical that kind of stands out to you that you, that you've either been in or saw or, or, or you, you watched? Well, I've got two. I can never okay. just choose one of anything. It's sure, always sure. a tie for me, but I love Wicked. I love an underdog story. So I love the story of Elphaba and how everybody thinks she's the bad witch, but then we get to see that there's a reason behind who she is and you get to see her side of the story. So I love that. I would love to be Elphaba in Wicked. And then I also love Dear Evan Hansen. I don't know if that's one that you've seen, but it has a really big mental health component. And that one just, the music makes me cry every time. I think it's so relatable. There's the song, You Will Be Found. And I think it can connect to so many people on when you just feel like everything is dark and you feel like you're alone, that there are people out there and all you have to do is reach out. So I love Dear Evan Hansen right now a lot. Gotcha. So, so here is a little inside story about uh, Dear Evan Hansen and You Will Be Found. Uh, so when it first, well, when it was still on Broadway, um, there is a local dance uh, company called Evolve, and they they came together. Uh, 
Jenny, Jenny Voss, the owner, came, came together with a, a local director, uh, Lonnie, and they ended up doing a, 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 do a video to You Will Be Found. And they mm-hmm. used the, the cast for that video was, was um, a handful of different high school students from the area. And they put together this video that was brought back out to, um, to New York and they featured it and they won some awards. And they ended up doing that for my Shatter Our Silence uh, suicide prevention program. And so it was uh, a pretty amazing, very powerful uh, video. I'll have to, I'll have to send, it, send you a link to it sometime. And Please so you can do. Yeah. Oh, that'll make me cry. I have goosebumps just thinking about it. But I, I love that song. I love that musical. It's great. Such a great message. Very powerful. Yeah, and it is. Uh, I I just got to see it recently when it came out. I think it was Disney Plus when it came out on Disney Plus. Yeah. I just recently watched that with my uh, with my family. So yes, I did. I did like it. So mm-hmm. so, so tell Heather where or where was original home? Where you're you're here in the Rockford area? I think Rockton. You said right. Yeah, I live in Rockton now. Okay. Um, yeah, where were you from originally? Yeah, but I grew up. I'm told by people I talk funny. So I have a, I'm from the Chicagoland area originally, but I'm my mom admittedly herself will say she's got this hybrid accent of Chicago slash Missouri. So I think she passed that on to me. Um, but I grew up in the Northwest suburbs of Chicago, a town called Glendale Heights. I went to Glenbard East high school in Lombard, which was a, a large high school. And I went down to university of Illinois in Champaign for my undergrad. I'm very proud. I'm a, I'm a diehard university of Illinois fan. So the basketball game last night was great. Um, And so I went down there and studied music education. So I became a band teacher actually initially with my degree. So when I finished my student teaching, it was winter. I was a, I was kind of a semester behind. So I finished my student teaching in December, started looking for jobs. And there were really only a handful of music ed jobs in the state at the time. And one of them was up here at Prairie Hill District in South Beloit Mm -hmm. uh, at Willowbrook Middle School. So that's where I started my middle school band teaching career. Um, I did that for four and a half years. I loved it, but I had this calling to get more into leadership and to lead other teachers. So I got my master's through Aurora University in Aurora. And then became a curriculum director, was my first administrative position at Pecatonica School District. And that's really where my story begins. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Great, great. Willowbrook. Uh, I've done some work with Willowbrook and I think yes. they, they do a great job over there and uh, from a leadership standpoint and and really fostering individuals to to grow and develop there, um, not just the students, but the that the adults as well. And then I had an opportunity to do some, uh, bring the suicide awareness program out to Pecatonica um, a few years ago. So that was uh, a great experience as well. So, so yeah, why don't we go ahead and jump into that? So you're, you're working at Pecatonica, you're a curriculum director and mm-hmm. you, and, and where your story specifically begins when we talk about this, you're, you're 28 years old. Yeah, if I remember correctly, right. And uh, twenty eight, you're you're married at that time. And did you have kids at that time or no? No, not yet. No, not yet. Okay. So, and how? And your husband's name is Paul. Paul. Okay. And mm-hmm. how long had you and Paul at this point when you were twenty eight? How long have you and Paul been together? Oh, just a couple of years, and and we had only been married a couple of years prior, like two years prior to okay. that. So. Okay. Um, 
Okay. So um, why don't you, yeah, why don't you kind of bring us through what happened uh, when you were at Pecatonica this particular day? Yeah, sure. So I, of course, like I mentioned, I'm coming out of teaching. I got my first administrative position. I'm 28 years old and healthy. I mean, I was a, uh, I played multiple sports in high school, pretty athletic. I was always into fitness and going to the gym frequently. So very healthy. And um, in general, I've had chronic migraines since I was a young kid. So it's unrelated. But I bring that up because I went to the doctor frequently, probably more than other people did. So I was getting checkups really regularly because of my migraine and nothing ever came up. But on February 1st, 2018, I woke up. I felt entirely normal. I, I went to actually the regional office of education first, and I had a meeting there for a couple of hours, felt fine, drove back to Pecatonica school district, walked into the district office for another administrative meeting. And I'm standing, I'm talking to people in the room. Suddenly I feel really nauseous and dizzy just in the blink of an eye. And I look at my friend across the table and I try to say, Hey, I don't feel well, but before I could say anything, um, I dropped to the floor dead of sudden cardiac arrest. So literally in that moment, my heart stopped. I uh, dropped forward, hit my face on the table, uh, fell backwards on the back of my head and on my back is what I'm told by my colleagues. Very fortunately, they decided to start CPR. They admittedly weren't sure what was happening to me. They said, is this a seizure? What is it? We don't know. But they could tell that I was not breathing normally. So the superintendent at the time, Bill Fowler, started CPR immediately. Um, other people in the room called 911, called my mom, called Paul, uh, went to get the AED, all these things. People just jumped into action. Um, in the meantime, the middle school principal, Tim, arrived for the meeting, and he is actually a volunteer firefighter in his off time when he's not being a principal. So he's a hero at two jobs, but he came in um, and he took over that scene and they used the AED to shock my heart three times and brought me back to life. I don't remember those moments. I actually spent about a half a day in a coma after that. And they told my family that because I had lost oxygen, oxygen to the brain for about 12 to 15 minutes, they weren't sure if I would ever walk or talk on my own again. Wow. But very fortunately, because my colleagues had done CPR and AED so quickly and so well, I'm still here today. And so I'm so grateful for them and I'm grateful that they were not only trained in what to do, but brave enough to do it. Um, statistically speaking, less than 9% of people survive this. And then of those survivors, about 1% can actually function on our own normally. So I'm truly an anomaly. Uh, but more people could survive if, if bystanders knew what to do. Sure, sure. Well, I think, and in, in to your point, that that's the that's the part that astonishes me. Not not well, not only all the traditional things that we, I mean, you you, and this was just four years ago, but you don't you don't appear to be a candidate. You know, I think that whole idea that well, you know, you're female, you, uh -huh. you were young chronologically, uh, you were in shape, you worked out, you were going to the doctor on a regular basis. All all the things that we think, well, you it can't be a heart attack, it can't be a cardiac issue, it has to be something else. And and then when you do have the you know the the heart attack, then uh, or the heart trauma, then uh -huh. you um, and there was no well. I shouldn't say that, but you, you're implying that there was no residual effects. And, 
And I know that that, I mean, I had a next door neighbor that had a heart attack and uh, he ended up having, um, you know, uh, you know, paralysis. And, he had, you know, there's a lot of things mm-hmm. that ended up happening afterwards um, that he wasn't able to work anymore or at his normal job anymore. So there was a lot of side effects from uh, mm-hmm. from that. And, it's, and you're saying that there was no side effects either. No, I, I definitely did. And so I love to take this opportunity too, if you don't mind, because sure. even myself, I didn't know that heart attack and sun cardiac arrest were two different things. Okay. Um, okay. I'd never heard of them. So I like to share that. And hopefully for people sure. listening too, a heart attack, I explain it as a plumbing issue, right? So you've got plumbing that goes to your heart arteries. And when they get clogged, the blood can't get to your heart. That muscle dies over time. And for For a lot of people, if they can identify the symptoms early enough, they can get to a hospital and get care. And the survival rates for heart attack are pretty good. Um, You know, for men and women, symptoms are different. Men, it's more the traditional like arm pain, but women, a lot of times it's nausea and things like that. So not everybody realizes that heart attack symptoms are different for men and women. But then there's this whole other issue called sudden cardiac arrest. And I had never heard of this. And instead of plumbing, it's electrical. So my dad works for ComEd. So I always make this connection like, all right, it's, a, it's electricity. So your heart has electricity in it and it can malfunction at any time. Um, it can be from an injury. It could be genetics. It could be um, a whole bunch of different things where the electricity just basically freaks out or stops. And that's what happened in my heart. So it was an electrical issue. And this happens to about 350,000 people per year, including about 9,000 children and teens. So it truly does not discriminate on age or any other factors. It can happen to anybody. And when it does happen, Your heart stops pumping blood immediately, which means you're basically immediately dead and you need CPR or AD within the first three to five minutes. So you don't have a lot of time, but for me, because I got that CPR immediately and they used the AED shortly thereafter, they kept blood and oxygen flowing through my body and it preserved my brain functioning. And this is what leads to survival from sudden cardiac arrest is that early intervention of CPR. So for me, when I got out of that coma, I don't remember a lot for about a week. Um, They did tell me, you know, you're doing very well considering what you've been through. For me, a lot of the residual effects were, were trauma. Um, you know, we, I'm big into the book, the body keeps the score. I don't know if you've read it, but of course going through something like that is super traumatic. And so a lot of what I went through was, was related to mental health. And at the time that wasn't a, a link in the chain of survival. So there's actually a chain of survival for aftercare for sudden cardiac arrest victims. And prior to about a year ago, there wasn't a mental health piece to that. Mm -hmm. So I really struggled on my own um, at first until I had to reach out and say, I need mental health care. I need counseling. I need somebody to work through this trauma with me that I went through. Um, Aside from that, on a short-term basis. And still today, I struggle with some short-term memory, some memory loss. Um, I kind of drop things randomly. I joke about it. Um, But overall, I'm doing really well. And again, I just owe it all to my colleagues that acted right away. Um, So, 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 okay. So with this question, um, I had some family members that had history of cardiac issues and it was, and it was from what I understand. So, but I, 
this is probably for me to ask now because maybe I don't know, but I've always understood it that it was a plumbing issue, that it was, you know, um, they referred to it as heart attacks and, and that there were clogged arteries. You know, some of it was predispositions along with lifestyle um, choices and things like that. I remember one time after my one uncle had had the first heart attack um, that, that sent him to the hospital. I remember going and seeing him. He was my, my closest uncle, my favorite uncle. And, and notice when this is within a couple of days, like two days afterwards or whatever it was close time, it was noticeable that he was depressed, not, mm-hmm. not just because he had this happen, but later we found out because of the trauma to his heart, that mm-hmm. there were certain chemicals that were released that were, that was, that was a byproduct what we, with what we call depression. So it wasn't like he was depressed because he had a heart attack. It was because he had a heart attack. He had depression or symptoms yeah. of depression. And, and so is that also, is that kind of what you were talking about too? Or are you talking about, you know, so t- tell me if, if that was, if that's true with uh, cardiac arrest as well. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, to be honest, but I think for me, you know, it's a, it's a very isolating thing to go through something that very few people survive. Right. So there's that aspect of, you know, who do I reach out to, to talk to? I have met some other survivors now and we become quick friends and you bond in a way that is really inexplicable for people that you've really never met before, but you automatically share this thing that nobody else understands. Um, but I went to work two weeks. I went back to work two weeks after this incident. Mm-hmm. So I was working in the room where I died and my coworkers had to save my life. So there was definitely some PTSD involved with that as well. And just being afraid, um, you know, anytime I had an arrhythmia in my heart or I felt funny, every time I felt nauseous, I thought, is it happening again? Is it gonna, am I gonna die again right here? Um, there was certainly, you know, physical pain associated with my healing and with the incident. And so I did not want to go through all of that again. So it still scares me. I have a defibrillator built in. So if it happened again, it would shock me. And hopefully before I even passed out, but um, there's certainly that too. And the other aspects of my healing were really just, you know, being really fatigued, being tired. And I worried at 28 years old, will I ever be normal again? Will I be able to accomplish everything that I wanted to accomplish? So I admit, uh, you know, I'm a very positive person about my incident and I'm in many ways grateful that it happened because um, it's shaped my life in a whole different direction than I thought it was going. But there was a point at the very beginning that I was like, why me? You know, like, why? This isn't fair. And I think, you know, we all have that moment of like, really, I just am, I'm a good person. I help people. I'm a teacher. Like, why did this have to happen to me? So there was, there was a little bit of that as well. So, you know, thank you for being uh, so, so open and transparent about that, because I, I think so, sometimes we, we will, there's certain things that we experience that we would say that maybe is not the most flattering things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so we have a tendency to not talk about those things. Right. And, and right. then of course the silence around that, then, you know, perpetuates then the silence in other people. And, yeah. and, I, and, a, and a big part of what this is all about, you know, this episode and, and, and other episodes that we have is how can we talk about the things that we normally 
won't talk about the, mm-hmm. you know, the ex- experiencing certain aspects on our journey of, of, of healing that we don't normally talk about. I remember a few, four years ago, um, well, four and a half years ago now, almost five, I, w- I had an accident um, where I ruptured my quadricep tendon. It was a hiking accident. And the first four weeks or so, I remember doing like doing well. I was okay. I wasn't mad. I wasn't, wasn't, you know, I couldn't drive because it was my right leg, but I mean, it was inconvenience, but it wasn't a problem. And mm-hmm. I, re- and I remember Diane, my wife driving me to work and, and all of a sudden this wave of anger came over me mm-hmm. and, and I didn't, and I was cognizant enough about it that I, that at the same time of being angry, I didn't even, I knew that I didn't have anything or anybody to be angry at, right? but I was still experiencing the anger. And, um, and so I went through a whole things of, you know, uh, of, of, okay, okay. I am being, I am angry right now. What can I do to shift this emotion? Not to, not to stuff it, not to suppress it, but how can I work, work through it? And then it, it just be a moment in time, but not my whole day or whole week or, or whatever, whatever. So, so when you said, when you went through, which I think is pretty normal, right. Uh, for many of us, when we have something happen, this, the, why me, mm-hmm. uh, and why is this happening to me? And all the reasons why you were trying to plead why it shouldn't have been you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, what, what would you say now? four, four years later, four years and a month later, why, why would you, what would you say now that you've learned from that, that question of why, why Heather? I think that this happened to me for a reason because of everything that I'm doing now for outreach. Um, And it's hard to explain, but I was one of those kids who kind of was naturally successful at a lot of different things. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. Even as I was teaching, I was like, what is my purpose? What, what is the bigger reason that I'm here? What am I supposed to be doing in this world? Because shaping young minds at school doesn't seem big enough for me. You know, I don't know why, but I just kept thinking like, what, what is missing? And in this weird way, and some people might even think it's twisted, but in this weird way, this awful thing happened to me. And I was encouraged to start sharing my story, to public speak, to teach CPR. And through that, um, it's not only been very healing, and I'm I'm hoping that it's helping to save other lives, but it's given me that purpose and that that passion. And and sharing my story has given me this opportunity to connect with others in a way I never could before. I've met so many, not only survivors, uh, but survivors of various abilities. Right, like some are still. Um, not really functioning on their own and their families are taking care of them. And I've met families whose children have passed from this. Lauren Lehman would have been my same age. She's from St. Charles and she died in 2008 at school of sudden cardiac arrest when they didn't do anything to revive her. So in talking to her parents, I've really shifted that question from why me to that attitude of gratitude of just thinking this could have come out much differently for me. Um, And so if I'm still here, it's for a reason. The universe wanted me here and I'm going to do everything I can to make 
be grateful for every moment and share as much with other people and try to change the survival rates of this because so many others were not as fortunate. So I don't ever want to be ungrateful for the fact that I'm here today and probably shouldn't be. So I really just focus on the gratitude instead. Well, you know, I can definitely appreciate that because when people would ask me, you know, well, why do you think this happened? Or, 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 or because of my spiritual, you know, development, it's like, so why do you think, you know, what, what is God trying to tell you? You know, those types of questions. And of course, you know, they would add in the caveat that, you know, well, maybe you need to slow down or maybe you're getting too old to do certain things or whatever it may be. And I said, well, you know, I think, I think this accident happened because I was rock climbing. I think this, this happened because of gravity. And if there was no (laughs) gravity, I would have never fell. And then if I would have never, you know, it's, but I think it's more important instead of why did it happen? If that's the question, Mm -hmm. it's more like, what am I going to do with it? Yeah. And that's what I'm hearing you say is it's like, okay, this happened. Maybe it was because my, my electrolyte, you know, was off. My potassium was off. This is why it happened. But, but what I'm doing with it now is probably the more, the bigger question because it has been a life-changing experience. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's absolutely it. And, you know, for me, I've always been a talker. I've always been somebody who shares and who's very open. Like I told you, I did music, I did theater, but speaking not only heals me, you know, so when I share my story, it helps me heal. But what I've found is that it helps other heal, other people heal. And it's not that they necessarily know exactly what I went through, but they know that I've struggled And then I'm talking about it. And like you mentioned earlier, just sharing that, hey, I struggle. I still struggle to this day, encourages them to maybe share their story or maybe reach out and get help or get counseling or just know that um, even though I usually have a smile on my face and maybe I make it look easy, it's not easy for me. And that's really empowering to other people. And I, you know, I think there's there an element like you, you would mentioned that some things maybe earlier on in your life, regardless of if it was sports or music, or if it was academics, some things may have came with, you know, you put forth effort and you, you got back, you know, exponential results. Right. And, and right. so then it was like, Oh, so this is how life is. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to, I put forth effort and these are the outcomes and doors open and, mm-hmm. and, and then it sounds like this though was something that was different. And yeah. this this one, you know, it was gonna take a little bit different type of effort um, and more maybe of consistent effort without necessarily seeing uh, results. So, so maybe touch base on that a little bit because if, if that was one of your first tastes of that, right? And of, of that, 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 that there was not this, the, the lines weren't as direct, the, 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 the results weren't coming as quickly or as sequentially mm-hmm. as you, as maybe you had, had experienced in your first 28 years. Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about what that was like um, going through that. And what have you learned about yourself now going through some, uh, a different type of recovery? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I had struggled earlier in my life. And like you said, different types of struggle, um, depending on 
different scenarios or what I was trying to accomplish. But with this, it's, it's uncontrollable. You can't control how your body is going to heal. You're not going to, I couldn't control having this sudden cardiac arrest. Um, and I couldn't control necessarily how quickly I mentally and physically healed. There were things that I could do that could support my healing, but I had to give myself, and I'm still giving myself that, that time to rest, like I said earlier. Um, so allowing myself to slow down, not trying to do everything. And, and again, like you mentioned, just being okay with not being a superhero in every single thing that I do, that things are going to take time. Um, I have this problem right now. I will just admit where I'm like overzealous about, I've got this, this new chance at life. I'm going to do everything and I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it all. And I keep reminding myself, okay, but you don't have to do it all today. <laughs> you don't have to do it all this week. Make a plan, make a five-year plan, make a 10-year plan, make longer-term goals. Um, but yeah, healing can be frustrating and, and healing is not linear, as we all know. And there can be days, weeks, months where I'm feeling great and don't even think about this at all. And then I can have a setback and I start to feel bad or I start to, un, you know, not feel well, whether it's physically or mentally. And then I have to really realign and say, okay, what am I doing? I need to slow down, focus on myself, prioritize my health again. And it, it just is not linear and you have to do it in your own time, in your own way. But I find for me, the time where I feel the best and that I'm doing the best healing is when I'm talking about it and talking with others and helping others to heal and just sharing that story. Yeah. And, and like you said, there is that there's an element to it that the healing is uh, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. It's a, it's in all four domains mm. of our life and, and they don't all aren't going to all happen at the same rate. And, mm. and, and they need to, they, though they need to work together and, in, in being able to, to, how do we exercise each part? And, and I can just imagine that um, there's a, the, to fight off the temptation to think there needs to be a sense of urgency mm -hmm. to, to, you know, get your story out, to be able to share with other people, to be able to, you know, what's the next thing that I need to do to, to, to get your, to get your message out and right. how to fight off that, uh, that urgency when, when so many things in our world tells us that we have to push hard, we have to, we have to live off that adrenaline of that urgency. Well, that isn't necessarily <laughs> the best yeah. way to uh, to promote what you really want to do with a, a cardiac arrest <laughs> survivor is, is to right. be, be thinking from a, a mindset of scarcity and urgency, right? Mm -hmm. um, I I can I can identify with that because it, you know I was just talking to someone earlier today about how to be able to discern what's the right things to say no to, so I can say yes to. The things I'm really being called to do. Um, yeah. And that's not easy for me when I want to help, when I want to help, I want to be involved. I want to be able to, uh, to, to share hope and, and be able to help people. Um, sometimes I have to say no to things. So it's, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's, I resonate with that deep in my soul and I'm big into Brene Brown. And so she talks about this a lot too. And you know, saying no to be able to say yes is super hard. And I'm still working as an elementary school principal with the pandemic that has been a huge undertaking. It takes up a lot of time. It's 
Um, it's very rewarding and I love it, but it's also very stressful. Um, and so my priorities in the last two years have been, you know, shifted. I believe that it's always a counterbalance between different priorities and where, you know, I love spreading my story and teaching CPR. Sometimes, you know, in the last two years, work has had to take priority of that. But another thing that is that this whole incident has just made me more grateful for my friends and family. And mm -hmm. I, and I will say, I used to be more worried about like, how many people, how many friends do you have? These are things you worry about when you're young, right? But this incident really made me grateful for the people I do have. And it's not the quantity, it's the quality. And just spending quality time for the people who are there for you, who get you, who love you. Um, my family, I have other family members going through some major health crises right now. So my priority is really focusing on them. And that's been another really big benefit from this experience that it forced me to slow down and be grateful just for life, just the small things where I was very much that go-getter. I still am, but now simultaneously am appreciating where I am now in the moment while still wanting to accomplish more. And I think the two can exist, but the gratitude for the moment has to be the priority. And I, I think you're, you're hundred percent right. It, it's recognizing how, how to every day we have to work it just mm -hmm. like we have to work with our physical health by what we do with our bodies, what we don't do with our bodies, uh, what we put under our bodies, all those things, but it's also how to consistently work our mental and emotional and spiritual health as well. Um, and, mm -hmm. and so, uh, giving yourself time to be quiet, giving your, so that you can mm -hmm. then hear <laughs> and, and be able to ground yourself so that you can then see what direction to go in as a leader in, in, in school, as well as this other, other project of, of getting your message out. Uh, you need to have that quiet time to be able to, to see mm -hmm. where to go. Right. And gratitude is not easy. Like, I don't want anybody listening to this thinking like, wow, she sounds like she's really got this thing figured out. Like I have to make a conscious effort to be like, what are you grateful for today? And, you know, when I open my eyes in this morning, it's like, and before I start worrying about what's going to be going on at work and do I have substitute teachers? It's like, stop Heather, stop and just be grateful that you woke up this morning, like number one. And so it's something that, like you said, it takes conscious effort. It's not easy Slowing down is not always easier. It can be harder sometimes, particularly for people like me that are hardwired to go, go, go. And so allowing myself to do it and then forcing myself to do it at the same time, um, it yeah. takes, takes a lot of practice, but you know, something I've always been transparent about and I want people to know is, is like you said, I still struggle and it's okay to struggle. And I think sharing that struggle is how we all grow. And so I don't want anyone to listen and think, wow, you know, she's really got it all figured out. Cause it's not true. I'm learning every day. <laughs> well, well, Heather, yeah, no, without a doubt. And, and I talk about that all the time that, you mm -hmm. know, even though I've been a therapist for 32 years and, and I've had a lot of practice with looking at things and talking to people and looking at myself and mm -hmm. yep, I can still you know, I still have those days and those moments in the day where I could either, you know, go left or I could go right. Um, and, mm -hmm. and if I do go left, okay, now I just have to make three turns to get back, right. you know, three turns <laughs> right to get back on path. So, um, so Heather, as you, as you 
think about what um, what message you want to bring. Um, what's that message you want to bring to people that are listening? <clears throat> yeah, well, first of all, I like to say, please learn CPR. <laughs> it is so easy. Uh, learning how to do CPR and AED using an AED is so simple to do. It's as easy as just looking up a video on YouTube and you could practice on a pillow, um, a stuffed animal if you have one at home, if you have kids or um, and so heart disease impacts one in three people. So odds are high that you could need to use CPR on a loved one. And I just wish that everybody universally knew how to do this. Um, but aside from that, I, I said in my video, and I'll say it here again, it's just truly to be, to be grateful and to live every day to the fullest because you don't know. Um, again, in my video, it sounds kind of corny, but I did not know at 28 years old that mid-sentence I was going to drop dead. Um, and, and I think about all the things that I left unsaid before that moment and people I didn't tell that I loved and, and things that I wanted to accomplish. So every day that we're here, you got to tell people you love them, live in your truth, chase those goals. You know, I've got a million things I want to accomplish and I intend to do them all because I don't want to leave anything left undone in this life. So if you're here, you're supposed to be here and make the most of it. Perfect. Well, you know, Heather, I, I, I love to be able to, you know, we're, so we're coming up on two years, right. With the, the pandemic and how it's impacting our schools yeah. locally. And, and hopefully we have learned some things regarding that. And hopefully we are moving some, moving our students and moving our, our schools in a, in a, in a healthy direction. Mm -hmm. um, I would, I would love, I would love to have you back on the show uh, in a, in a couple months, not only to, see where you're at regarding um, your, your own message, but then also reflecting as an educator um, and, and a leader, what things have you learned regarding um, the last two years um, working with grade school parents, as well as educators, as well as the students themselves. So uh, if you're open to that, I would, I would love to have you on the show. And then as well as talking about, you know, how simultaneously in the midst of a pandemic, you're also talking about how to be grateful for what we do have, where mm -hmm. we're at in the midst of uh, people telling us what we can't do, right? <laughs> so, right, definitely. Um, and that's that's hard too, is, you know, again, finding the silver lining in every day can be challenging when everything we're absorbing through media or maybe even conversations is mostly negative. So we've definitely learned a lot over the last two years, and I'd love to come back, come back to reflect on that more. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Heather, thank you very much. Thank you for reaching out to me. I, I know we got to meet briefly a, 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 you know, a month ago or so, and, um, and I'm glad you reached out to me afterwards. Uh, I'm going to put in our show notes your, your, uh, the link to the video, as well as, um, yeah, the, what's the best way? If someone wanted to contact you or, or to be involved with any of the things that you're doing, what, what's the best way for them to reach you? Wow. Well, thank you for linking the video. I have a Facebook page called Heather's Heart Squad. And I also have a Gmail address that goes with that. So Heather's Heart Squad at gmail.com. Um, I provide free CPR training to organizations. Uh, if you want to be certified, I can do that as well. But I'm always happy to share my story or provide training to anybody who wants it. 
Okay, perfect. Well, again, Heather, thank you for being here. Thank you for willing to share your story, but not only your story of what what happened, but then also uh, being so courageous to share your story about how the healing and the recovery has been as you, even as you're continuing that process, um, because I think that's also important for people to know that it's this, this healing and recovery is never a linear process. Mm -hmm. It's always much more in a circular process and that we go through, um, uh, we go through cycles in which we, uh, it's more of a circle than it is a straight line. That, that's for sure. So, well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yep. So uh, as we wrap up and I want to reach out uh, and, and encourage everybody to, if you have not been trained in CPR, to definitely look into either getting formally trained in CPR, or at least as Heather suggested, to um, look on YouTube and get familiar with how would you uh, provide CPR if you have a loved one or someone you knew um, needed some needed some attention. Um, as always, I appreciate you being here. And if you do have someone that you think might be uh, might benefit from this ep episode and hearing Heather's story, uh, definitely reach out to them and share this uh, episode. Look forward to being with you next week. And as always, be well.